going on everyone welcome to the latest episode of the tipping point podcast where black men freely speak their minds i'm caesar walker and i'm ronnie gatry and guys listen we want you to continue to support us on soundcloud give us a listen like it share it follow us all that good stuff uh we appreciate your support and let's start the show this is a this is actually a uh a special moment for our podcast. Would you would you agree with that? I Gat? agree, but I'm gonna have to in- interrupt you for a second there. You always we... interrupt me, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, I have, you know, when we start, I have to like kind of just brain dump a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay. And before we get to what's so special about this recording, I just gotta I gotta release this. It you just, helps me. You just bleh, the beginning of the. It's been built up from. We're gonna go back to that Walker. It's been two weeks, so I, I get it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Gotcha. You were saying, dude. Meek Mill championships, an amazing project, man. Okay, amazing, and I want you to listen to it. Okay, you haven't. I know you haven't. I have. No, you need to listen to. Have you listened to it this year? Yes. Okay. Random point number one. Okay. Number two is not so random, but it, it's had me in deep thought. So uh, condolences are are going out to uh, my wife's family. Uh, Friday night, my, my wife lost an aunt, and then Saturday midday, my wife lost a close cousin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and I hate to say, death is never expected. Well, it is. I mean, we're all going to die someday, but, you sure. know, we just, we walk around believing that, you know, we're promised all these extra breaths that we're really not. Breaths, excuse me. But um, as I'm watching my wife, you know, try her best to deal with all this, all of a sudden, I just, I just think how precious life is. So just want to encourage our listeners, man, if you, if you love somebody, just tell them, you know, because you, you just never know. Tomorrow's never promised. Right, right. Okay. And, and considering the fact that my wife is so gracious to, you know, kind of give us a studio, I feel the least I could do is share condolences, even though she doesn't listen. <laughs> Pray. <laughs> Prayers and condolences to your wife's family. That, Thanks, that's, man. That's, that's tough to handle in a short span of time. Dude, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, third third random and most last point, I said this when we were uh, pre-recording, um, J. Cole's Middle Child track. Oh, my goodness. I've heard that, too. I, I, I know you have. Okay. But goodness gracious. Okay. okay. It, it's, just, it, it's, it's an amazing track that I slept on the first listen. But um, have since gone back to revisit. Is Dreamville releasing a project soon, or is it? Is it just J Cole? I'm guessing it's Cole. Okay. So anyway, those are my three random points to kick us off. Uh, <laughs> back to you, Walker. <laughs> yeah, as I was as I was getting ready to say, this is a <laughs> good to have you back. Buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, this is a special moment for our podcast because we didn't do none of this at all last year uh, when we started recording and doing a podcast. But this year, uh, we're doing something different. We have guests with us today, and uh, these are close friends of yours. So yes. I'll let you take it away, Gat. So, uh, Walker, what, what I brought to you today during our recording session are two um, gentlemen that mean a lot to me personally. Uh, they know me for a long time. I've known them for a long time. Um you know, they, they know my family, I know theirs. It's a blessing to have them with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get too emotional, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce them. <laughs> okay. We have uh, David and Isaiah Solomon joining us today. Nice to meet you, David. Isaiah. Likewise. Good to be here. Great to be here. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come and record with us again. You're the first guest on The Tipping Point, so that means I, I can say it means a lot for Walker, but... Knowing what you two gentlemen mean to me, it means even more to me to have you here. So, um, and David, you actually listen to the podcast, right? You actually, <laughs> yes, I'm a 
a listener. <laughs> I want to say thank you personally. Yeah, because uh, I joke on my friends. My friends are trash. Like they <laughs> they haven't they don't hardly listen to the podcast. Like I have some who have and support it, but it, from what I gather, you've listened yeah. to several. Yes, of them. yeah. So thanks again, yeah. uh, and thanks thanks. Both of you guys for coming out, man. This is scheduling guests are, is is tough too. Yes. So we had some. Thank uh, you guys for making time to to hang out with us and 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 sit down and do this. So and uh, and, and before we get into that, Walker, okay, I I got to I got to shout you out too because I know uh, during the beginning of this year or towards the end of last year, you proclaimed this year as a year of action, right. and I believe this podcast was part of that mm-hmm. uh, declaration. Right, and um, it is evidence at this table right now. So. Yes. You gotta speak life into stuff, and I believe you've done that. So thanks, thanks man. Anyway. Thank you. So have I brought enough emotions yet or Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the eye already, just tearing up over here. So if I'm listening, I hear David and Isaiah Solomon. Y'all not brothers, are you? Yeah. You yes, are brothers. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. So explain to me now, as brothers, y'all have something that y'all have done together, correct? Correct. Okay. Explain to us what that project is. Uh, the project is Solomon Brand. And the um, plan is to actually launch a full clothing line, um, more than likely having an official launch um, in August of this year, August uh, 19th, hopefully. That, that's a significant date. But... Um, the idea, the concept, which Gatry over here is uh, doing the Superman pose. Don't, he has don't on. mind me. I just got this, this, <laughs> just, old, this old shirt off. Uh, that old <laughs> thing. That old thing. He's repping. He's repping. Uh, I rapping. appreciate that. That, that, that. that means a lot. Um, but the the idea behind it, uh, there's there's two parts. The Solomon is key because Solomon, um, as we know, King Solomon being associated with wisdom. And that's one right. of the things that right. we wanted to portray through the brand is to just help people make wise decisions in life. Um, okay. To think differently about how you think. And the, I guess, the underlying um, motivation or impetus for the, the brand is that uh, I was on the junior board for Children's Village. And this is a, uh, basically, Children's Village is a foster home. And it's the only one in the, I think in Jefferson County specifically, that allows male and female siblings to stay on the uh, campus together. Uh, other fosters uh, right. separate the, the children. But right. um, a large part of their focus is on fundraising. And I think that if um, they didn't have to put so much focus on that, they could put more focus into providing services for these kids who didn't ask to be in this situation um, you know, parents who you know incarcerated or just gave them up, or you know whatever the circumstances are, it's not that child's fault. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to start something that, as I grew or as that brand grew, then the financial contributions to um, the foster children, the children's village specifically, uh, would also grow, so that you could have these kids getting exposure, getting you know other um, programs and services that they would not have. Ordinarily had access to, so they can live their best lives. Gotcha. And that's kind of just what was the the driving force behind. Dope. 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 
So basically, so the in the end game is just helping these 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 kids. That's Correct. really really the end game is that you're you're doing it through the vehicle of clothing. Correct. But it's to enhance and change the lives of these kids and put them on a better track. Correct. And the gotcha. vi- the vision is is to be at a point where every state in the United States where an item of Solomon brand clothing is purchased, mm-hmm. there is a contribution to a foster home or a program that benefits. Um, either foster children or underprivileged uh, uh, children in that state. So everywhere the uh, article of clothing is sold, then you're going to see us making a contribution to. Oh, there. incredible, man! And and David, I got to say, I, I was aware of this well before this conversation, but hearing you say it each time, man, it just it brings on a new life, man. And you know, it in the in the age of promotion that we see now, especially when it comes to clothing, it's more so about the individual behind it and not for a deeper purpose. Yeah. Um, so I gotta shout, I gotta shout the brand out for, I mean, just being more than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. More than just, you know, fibers woven together to, right. to be on the back of a grizzly 36 year old male. Right. But um, <laughs> <laughs> What an adjective. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I think that's incredible. So would you say that this is kind of like purpose for you? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. It's something that's been brewing for years, but finally kind of come, like y'all said, the year of action. Because mm-hmm. um, mm. this year, August, that's why I said August 19th would be an important day, I hope, to launch, because that would be the 10-year anniversary of the birth of this whole Solomon idea. So Wow. Nice. I was not privileged with that information. <clears throat> right. That is huge. Nice, nice. So that's dope, man. So so basically, it's it's because I can see the passion when you talk about it, but it's I can imagine it's very fulfilling as well once you see that come to fruition to see the the effects that it has on the kids, right? Right. Yeah. Nice. nice. Um, we we're we're about promotion here. Um, you're here. Can you let our listeners know how to find out more? You're you're. You know your social, your IG, your Facebook, or sure. what are the, what are these kids using now? Walker, Snapchat, what is that? I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, but whatever you got, social, if you want to shout it out, man, by all means. Sure, sure. There are uh, right now. IG is the main uh, focus. Uh, there's we have two um, points of contact. There's Solomon S L M N underscore brand. Uh, that's IG, and then there's the Sol- uh, Solomon Project, which is S L M N is it underscore underscore project. project. Uh, project. Gotcha, and we'll we'll be sure to to blast it as we blast this as well uh, from a metadata perspective. I'm so nerdy. Uh, <laughs> um, that was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> any anything else you would like to share regarding the Solomon Movement, as I like to call it? Isaiah, um, you jump in here, man. Yeah, man. Um, like my brother said, um, speaking of action, you know, we we knew, you know, life is bigger than us. You know, so why not go out and and try to help and touch as many people as possible? Because uh, I mean, once you get older, that's that's what it's all about. I think people get fulfillment in in helping others. Um, so yeah. I, I, you know, he basically and and so eloquently described what we plan to do. I mean, I can't necessarily add any more. That was it was it was beautiful. <laughs> One thing I did want to add though that um, in as part of our our brand, which you'll see, there's a, a Latin phrase at the bottom. This is non nobis solemn natus sumus, 
And that's an excerpt from Marcus Tullo Cicero, which means we are not born for ourselves alone. So anytime you see that brand, it's a, it's an implicit recognition that we're not doing this just for us. Oh, beautiful. That's Dude, dope. please do not drop that mic. Because it now would be an appropriate juncture <laughs> of which to do such. <laughs> we're we're low grade, so we need that. <laughs> Literally started from the bottom. Don't, don't take us back. <laughs> don't take us back. Uh, so... Again, this is a passion project, and but this is something that you guys are doing on the side, right? Correct. So basically, y'all are employed, y'all do other things, you know, throughout the day to sustain a life, you know, quality of life for yourselves. So let's talk about what you guys actually do. Okay. Okay. Um, I am a practicing attorney, um, a civil uh, attorney. I okay. started off doing insurance defense, and I switched over. I uh, did personal injury, and now I'm doing antitrust litigation, which is a completely different animal. But uh, mm-hmm. so I've been a practicing attorney for eight years now. Okay. Wow. 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 So, what are you enjoying? Which which part did you have you enjoyed the most in terms of of what you've been practicing? Is it what you're doing now, or was it civil, or what? What was one that just kind of you enjoy the most, or you learned a lot from? Actually, I I like it liked it all. Mm-hmm. The same, but for different reasons. Okay. Um, I will say now, um, being on the plaintiff side of things, uh, I probably get a little bit more fulfillment out of that because you're kind of fighting for somebody else. Right. You know, on the defense side, you you, you kind of just kind of there. Right. You know, somebody's accusing your people of doing something, and eh, maybe eight times out of ten, they did it, and so you're trying to <laughs> mitigate the damage. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But on the plaintiff side, somebody's been injured, whether it's, it's physically they've been harmed yeah. in an accident or some medical device, or whether, like now, doing the antitrust litigation, there's, there's people who are being, um, you know, unfair or uncompetitive pricing because mm-hmm. of, you know, big corporations are essentially being greedy. Yeah. So, but on this side of things, you're still fighting for someone. So, you know, it's still that kind of passion project like right. we spoke about before. Right. You, you, at the end of the day, you feel good about what you're doing because you're going to make an impact in somebody's life. Now, I can't speak for you, but I could imagine being an attorney and I'm defense and I'm just like, I'm, I'm defending someone who I already think kind of low of because I know they did something shady. I can see how I mean, being on the. Why are you looking at? Me? <laughs> I'm looking at you. No, I'm just, but I'm just saying, just in yeah. general, like right. I can see, like it's hard to go to bat for somebody that you know is out here ain't they ain't doing right already. But if you the if you're looking out for someone who's just been blindsided or took advantage of, I, I can see how that can be more rewarding, or that'll give you something to at least fight for. Right. Right. I I, I could definitely understand that. Uh, so Isaiah. Share with us what you do. Uh, I am a law enforcement official. Okay. Um, I've been a law enforcement official for approximately five years. Um, it's a very interesting job. Um, having having ideas and, and thoughts going into it, and uh, you know having to change your whole mindset. So mm-hmm. you know, like I say it's interesting. It's it's, it's definitely been interesting. Uh, the last couple of uh, months, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 matter of fact, I can say years. You know, it's it's been so many acts of of, of things going on. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, I experienced that when I first got in. So um, it's like I say, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, so, 
What what made you decide to want to go into law enforcement? <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's it's crazy how you run from something for so long, and mm-hmm. it comes back full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's preaching yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's preaching to me. I know. I, I I I ran from it so so long for mm-hmm. for a various amount of reasons. Wow. Um, and it it came full circle. And you know I'm 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 very thankful, you know that you know God God does have a plan, and no matter how far you run, He will always bring you back to that center. Sure. And He brought me back to that center. He was like, "Stop running. You need to be here." So, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and you know sugarcoat anything. You said black men speak freely. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. It's, it's still a struggle. Yeah. You know, you know, watching what I watch mm-hmm. or seeing what I see and uh on a on a daily basis. It's it's rough sometimes. But uh I, I am a counterbalance. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went into it being the change I, I said I wanted to be the change that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's go. so I, I, I have to be a counterbalance to the things that I see that are just blatantly wrong. Right. You know. Right. So um, God put me there. If if you want me to be completely honest with you, why why am I lost? Was God God put me there? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I it almost sounds like it's almost a weight, <laughs> almost is off your chest. Uh, the moment you begin to do what you've been running from, I would imagine. Um, to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. To a degree, of course. Yeah, to, a, to a degree. Because that's oh. that's not. First off, let me just say I salute you for even stepping into that. Someone has to protect our neighborhood. Absolutely. Someone has to look out for for us. And so you have to be wired a certain way to even take on that responsibility, knowing that knowing the dangers that you deal with it day in and day out. Absolutely. So respect to you for that. Uh, yeah. So. Be, being in, being an agent for change. Uh, as you are, Isaiah, especially in the in the I don't know if you call it an industry, but the field you're in, just to piggyback on what what Walker says, man, that it's something that I believe is inherent in the hearts of most people. But um, I got to salute you for not only just staying with that, but taking action. I just, I, I know personally, you know, uh, God has spoken to me on many occasions very clearly, and I'm bullheaded and like, nah. <laughs> This this is really what you mean. Absolutely. Oh, so you, you know. do that to God too? <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> See, it's not so bad that you know it's not just you. I right? can relax now, right? <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> but nah, big shout out that dude. That that is that is uh that is legendary. Is what it is. To be honest with you, oh man, I appreciate and, that. That's and, a... and one thing, one thing, and you know this more probably just as much as anybody at this table. Change takes time. Absolutely. But but um, as long as you're moving forward, <laughs> no matter the pace, change is attainable. So, um, again, salute to you and the struggle. It's definitely a struggle. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's, man. Uh, it's a beauty and struggle, though, you know. Um, yeah. It builds yeah. character, you know. Uh, it can definitely humble an individual. So, um yeah. I, I appreciate those words, sir. And and to into to transition and segue into one of the main things we want to discuss and talk about. Of course, our city has been rocked by an event that took place um, on Thanksgiving night. Um, 
Uh, most people are familiar with the shooting that took place, which in and of itself, I mean, as long as I've been alive, I've never heard of anything of this happening yeah. In in a mall, right. um, such pl- as the Galleria. And plug alert, if if you're listening, if, if you're here, um, if you're not aware, which we're going to talk about a little bit, but check out our Emantic Justice episode, just to kind of give you uh, give you a little bit more. We definitely give you our thoughts, our yeah. raw thoughts and, on on the matter that and, took place. And what's unique about this recording is um, we kind of get to. I don't, I don't say amen, but we get to add to the thoughts that we've already put out there. But we get to kind of solidify them with sure. with two members close to uh, close to us that are you know wildly involved in the legal landscape of things here locally. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So yeah, and so what we want to do, like the situation we know about EJ, um, his friend got shot in the mall. Uh, cops mistaked him as as the gunman, um, fired on him. He dies. Um, that sent off the following weeks of protests, um, news reports, people on social media arguing with one another about who's at fault, who's to blame, this, that, and the third. Uh, we saw character assassinations attempts on EJ uh, <sighs> trying to trying to justify the shooting, or we, we saw all types of things. And what we were waiting for was just what was going to happen. With the justice, with the family see justice, and just this past week, the attorney general ruled that the cop who who shot EJ would not be prosecuted, um, and uh, of course, just seeing the family <laughs> deal with that, it was just gut wrenching for me personally. Um, so I. Again, it just it basically just reopened up this whole dialogue and conversation. And, and I felt that we should have people here who have hands and feet on the ground who deal with this stuff, sort of stuff every day to provide some legal professional context to what we're feeling. Right. So, of course, we have have an attorney here. We have an officer here. What I wanted to ask because you already kind of touched on it um, in a way, but I just kind of want to see if you had any more to add to it. You, you are, we know the, the best way to describe at best the relationship between law enforcement and the black community is strained for the most part. I think that's an accurate description of the relationship there. Being that you touch both of those dynamics, when you see stuff like this happen, how do you even process it? Like, what do you even do with that? Because in so many ways you're guilty by association right even though you haven't done anything wrong you you could be an outs- you could be one of the good ones but how do you process that also you understand how if you're off duty how you could easily be mistaken as a quote unquote threat and could be on the wrong side of, of these situations what how do you deal with that and I'm I'm going to try to choose my words as carefully as possible. Please do, please do, <laughs> <laughs> because everything you just said is is fact. Um, let's 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 begin by the whole um, being outside of uniform, and I can easily be mistaken for um, said whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the military as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there are a lot of people that come up often and say, "Thank you for your service." Right. 
thank you for your service, thank you for your service. Um, but I also know if I wasn't in that uniform, they wouldn't approach me. They, mm. they wouldn't approach me at all. Um, because of like I'm, I'm wearing sweats today, right? Uh, fitted hat. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think those same people would would walk up to me and and say thank you for anything, right? Um, so it's 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 interesting to see now. In regards to uh, when I'm in uniform and when I'm outside of uniform, uh, like you say, as a African American male uh, with a son of my own, mm-hmm. uh, young son, fourteen, um, is 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 very hard to see the things that that are, that that's going on and not be scared for his life, um, not be scared for my brother, mm-hmm. my friends, my family, um, because that could easily be one of them. Right. Um, it's it's definitely it's it's, it's rough. Like yeah. I, I it's kind of hard to put into words. Like I said, I'm 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 not gonna rant. Um, Ronnie Run, knows me very well. Like if I if yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, and in, in in doing so, there this is is kind of hard to de- describe. Um, yeah. yeah. But the 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 sentiment is you know. Um, it, it it definitely goes back to being the change that I want to see. I've been called so many names in uniform. I'm sure. Um, so many, so many names. Uh, whether I'm trying to help or not, you know, the the image is already there. Yeah. As far as how I'm going to view law enforcement, period. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from where I come from, like my my. Quick backstory. My my first encounter with law enforcement was, I don't know, when I was 10, 11. Um, I was riding with my cousin. Wasn't doing anything. But mm-hmm. the car that we were in, you know, he was, what, all of, you know, 16. I may have been a little older than that, but he was 16. And, you know, he had a beat-up car. You know what I'm saying? We, we, weren't, we weren't afforded to get the brand-new cars. And, you know, we get what we get. Right. You know, hand-me-downs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got a fitted description of mm. at such an early age. Mm-hmm. So at that particular moment in time, you know, we sitting in the car quite some time. Next thing you know, we have a helicopter. We have SWAT teams coming from, from, from both sides. Oh my goodness. And they yanking us out and putting us on the ground. That is my first encounter with law enforcement. And wow. as a young man, that will screw with your head Absolutely. for for years mm-hmm. or, or traumatize you for years to come. So um, I'm I'm pretty sure that you know other young males or African American males have gone through the same thing, even worse. Right. Um, so that once you have that view, it's kind of hard to get that out your head. I I still have that view in my head, you know. Right. Um, that's why I said I have to be the change that I want to see. Yeah. Like I I I know what happens, um, but at the same time, it's like you're here. You have to change what you can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what I try to do. Uh, like I say, I'm 
going on the tangent, I'm going on the rant, but it's 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 rough, man. It's it's definitely rough, and I I'll, I'll just I'll just leave that right there. And we'll get to you in a moment, uh, David. But to piggyback off of what you said, I'm pretty sure because we're so wired negatively, we tend to focus on the negative. I'm pretty sure you also get people who come to you and say thank you, officer, for. When you do be the change, when you do help people, do you get a thank you? Do you get people who are appreciative for for y'all helping out? Um, yes, um, to a degree. Um, I talk to a lot of, you know, uh, inmates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, from the first time that I stepped in that building, you know, um, me being, you know, going by the model, being changed, I want to see. I've actually pulled someone to the side and had a real conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I, I built friendships, but right. Um, but I've I've had a real conversation with young men, older men, uh, peers, people my age, um, and and during that, you know, those conversations, you know, once they get out, I've I've seen some guys, you know. Go on and do awesome and amazing things, trying to stay out of out of out of trouble, um, and and that's that's what it's all about for me. Um, I don't I don't want the praise. I don't want the you know necessarily. I don't I don't necessarily need the thank yous. Right. You know, um, just knowing that in your heart of hearts you want to change. Right. Um, and just knowing that the conversation that me and said individual could have had could have sparked that change. Um, is enough for me. Dope. So, I, like I said, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to thank yous or anything like that. Uh, just knowing that you know they're going out and staying out of trouble, staying clean, staying whatever they need to do to stay out of that building, um, it's a blessing in itself, man. So, dope. Um, I had a question for for uh, for you, David. The state's attorney general, uh, Stephen Marshall, actually replaced. The person who was over the case, Danny Carr, who was the district attorney of Jefferson County. Now, it was believed that it was reported that there was concerns of him potential there being a potential conflict with him uh, knowing personally. I think it was a pe- people who were protesters that yeah, I think he took a photo with, or he was in a, in a photo with. I'm not gonna say he took a photo. He was in a photo with people who were protesting for justice against the cop. And there was concerns that couldn't prove it, but there were concerns that he may have known some of these protesters personally, right? He took over the case, uh, even though he had stated, I think it was it was in some, I forget it was AL.com, it was one of the stories that I heard. He felt that he didn't think that there was actual conflict, but just wanted to be sure of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you feel that that was a justifiable reason? And are attorney generals, are they even permitted to even give a justification? Can they just take over a case at any given point? The <clears throat> So that's a two, two-part two question. The first, I'll address Danny Carr, who uh, I know personally I've known for a while, uh, mm-hmm. even before I went to law school. Um, we have to look at this thing not in a, in a bubble. Okay. Imagine... It's day one on the job, and this lands in your lap. Mm-hmm. What do you do, right? Right. I think that for him, making the determination that 
this could be a conflict. There's two, there was two parts of that. It was there, there was the association, whatever that may have been, with some of the protesters, and then there's the direct involvement with the officer. Um, it was reported that that officer, uh, who's identified as Officer One, but he was involved in 20 pending investigations. The report did indicate that as well. Yes. So there is the potential to see that there's a personal conflict because as the DA, you're representing um, the, you know, the county mm-hmm. and your job is to prosecute these cases. And if this officer is your star witness in 20 cases, they don't give us much information about what you know type of cases, but regardless, uh, it's a felony of some sort. And if this person is necessary to your prosecution, then can you then come back and say, all right, well, you're guilty of murder because now you're in the position, once you say this person is a murder suspect, he's now disqualified from to testifying be. in those 20 other cases. Gotcha. So it's a, it's a, and I think some of that plays into the ultimate decision of why they found this was a reasonable thing, but we can get into that later. But I think from, from uh, Danny's perspective, I can understand why he would want to recuse himself. Uh, the second part of your question with respect to the Attorney General's office, yes, by statute, they can they can give advice, guidance to any of the DAs for the you know respective counties. And if in the instance like here with the DA recusing, then the next person up would be the state's Attorney General. Gotcha. Gotcha. So okay. that adds context. Uh, did you? No, this this is just enlightening for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, is one of the things that, goodness, and I had I, I, you know, I was conflicted. I didn't know if I wanted to see EJ Mom talk after oh this or goodness. not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is you, you want to hear their opinion, but when you hear, it, you're just like, I need to turn away, but I can't. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that I think I heard her say was that. Um, no, his father. His father was like that. The that the state's attorney general didn't even come down and talk to us about that. And it's just like it's it just you grab your heart, your chest when you hear that because you can just hear the pain. Right. Is it just a courtesy for the state's attorney general to do that, or the in in this case had had there not been a replacement in terms of taking over the case, or is the uh, district attorney, are they to meet with the family before anything gets released publicly? Is that, or is that just a common courtesy? I think it's more so of a courtesy as opposed to a, a procedure. Um, because again, when you're looking at their role, um, it is to simply, in this case, determine whether the officer was justified in taking this man's life. Right. And so the only I mean, it sounds harsh, but when you just step back a bit, the only parties that are technically involved mm-hmm. are the officer, the witnesses, because the the only issue that they're trying to decide was did the officer act reasonably under the circumstances. Now, because this resulted in the loss of life, you would expect, just out of courtesy, that there would be some contact with the family of the um, victim, right? Um, some compassion, and just understanding. You know, there's a life that's lost, right? And as you know, at the hands of an agent of the state, right. so to speak, right? Um, so you would you would think that there would be some compassion from the state saying, "Look, you know, 
you know, if if your dog got off the chain and and mangled my child, I would expect you to have some kind of words with me, like, look, I didn't know my dog was, you know, right. violent, or I didn't know he was off the chain, you know, something. Right, right. Acknowledge the fact that someone under your or something under your responsibility or control caused me harm. Correct. Right. So I, I think just as a matter of courtesy and compassion, that you know, something that should take place. But I, I don't think that it's necessarily a rule if that, if, if that makes sense. David, I'm, I'm going to ask this. We, we talked a little bit off air about this, um, but help our listeners that that may not may not be local. We, we do have listeners that are, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in other places. <laughs> um, help, help me shape this for them. Right. So uh, and, and I, I love to reflect. So I'm just going to put a real life situation there. Right. Um, I was I was involved in a fender bender years ago. Uh, at my son's daycare. So we did what, what an average human would do. We, we alerted the authorities, right? The authorities get there and they inform me that their, uh, their options are limited because this incident took place on private property. Going back to E.J. Bradford's situation, we know that this took place in you know, a huge shopping center that I don't know technically if it's public or private property, but um, Hoover Police Department, they were there, you know, they, they were working there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why, why, why was this not handled in Hoover? Why, why, why does the Alabama law enforcement agency have to get involved? Okay, so basically what we have is we're looking at whether this is a murder or was this a justifiable murder, <laughs> which the difference being there's a felony mm. or not. So felonies are prosecuted through the county. Since Hoover sits within Jefferson County, that's why um, uh, D.A. Carr would have been the, was the first wrong of, of, of the um, process. Sure. So when um, D.A. Carr recused himself, then it escalated to, I hate to say the next person in the chain of command, but that's technically how it would, would work. You would go to the state um, attorney general. Okay. So, you know, the way it's broken down, you have your, your state level, county level, then you, you got your municipalities. So since it's a felony, it's not handled within Hoover because that only misdemeanors, minor offenses get handled in the municipal court system. Uh, okay. Felony-wise, it would go to the county level. County level recuse themselves, so then we go to the state level. So that's just kind of how how color we, color me enlightened. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, what about the appellate courts? Don't uh, answer that. That's okay. just me trying to sound educated. <laughs> <laughs> they unfortunately will not come into the picture because of the attorney general's ruling. But <laughs> or maybe they. Well, no, I don't think they. I don't think there's any appeal because there was never a decision to um, prosecute. So once he determined that it was a justifiable act, then I don't. I don't think there's any recourse. I don't think you can challenge. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, Isaiah, it was one of the statements from the officer uh, was that they saw EJ uh, coming into the scene when it was pandemonium, shots fired off. Uh, They saw him, and by this point, he had his, his gun on him. So he was easily identified as as a threat. Now I will be honest. From what we what I have been hearing up until last week was that EJ 
had a weapon on him but was running away from the situation. Mm. I saw the video and I could see him running back to his friend. So he initially started running away but realized my boy ain't with me. Right. He's down. I'm running back. Right? Right. So as he's running back to him, he's now back in the plant, the line of sight of the officers. They're trying to identify and assess the situation, what's going on. Here's a guy with a gun. He's a threat. My question to you, Isaiah, is what what have you been trained to do when you identify a threat in a high-stress situation? Every Every officer has training in an active shooter mm-hmm. um, type scenario, and this is considered an active shooter type scenario. Right. Um, when I when I did my training, the the training basically boiled down to this: active shooter needs to be taken down mm-hmm. in the safety of the people. I think in this situation, every officer definition of safety is subjective. Mm. Come on. Okay. Mm. Um, there are, and I don't, <laughs> uh, like, I'm, as I'm, I'm trying to, as they say in church, take your time. There's trying, gray matter there. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to choose my words because, like, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound anti-law enforcement. All right, because that's, that's the field that I'm in. Right. Um, I have, um, co-workers that you know I you know want to make sure that you know they're they're okay I don't I don't want to sound anti-law enforcement but I will say this there are people that are in law enforcement that should not be there um, okay there are and this is just my opinion and let's 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 go um <laughs> there are some people in law enforcement that have a god complex, right? So they 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 wear a uniform, okay, and they feel that hey, no one can touch me, no one can say anything to me. I have this badge on, um, I'm invincible, uh-huh. um, and I think once you have that complex, everything your your view of things start to get scrambled. Um, you don't look at things reasonably because you feel like, oh, I can get away with X, Y, and Z. Not necessarily get away, but I can do X, Y, and Z, and I will be justified mm-hmm. in, 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 getting, uh, in, in getting away with X, Y, and Z. Um, I'll share another story. Like When I first got into law enforcement, um, there was a gentleman, um, or a couple of gentlemen. Uh, this is I want to say day three um, of 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 my journey, um, and there was this guy who basically said, "Hey, aren't you new?" I said, "Yes." It was a white white officer, and he told me to go fetch something. And when he told me to go fetch, he made the shooing motion. Me being me, I didn't hear anything after that. 
I didn't right. let him finish the sentence. I said, what did you say? Right. And he repeated it. I'm not going to say what I did after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have people to go in and change that environment, change that culture, it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, so, like I say, once once an officer, oh the the is is the 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 view of safety is subjective. Like I, I said, you can't if you can't change the culture of what safety means for everyone. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, okay, I'm going to put safety in this box for these people, right? Um, then I don't I don't I don't think as a as a people as a human race we we're not going to get anywhere. That is scary. That if I can talk to a fellow officer like that, what's going to stop me from talking to a civilian Absolutely. Come on, who man. I suspect to be doing something that I think is wrong? Like what was mm-hmm. if I don't even see if we're we're peers and I don't even see you on the same. That's 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 deep. And it's cliche, but um, <laughs> I think it I think it uh, definitely has a place here, but it, it starts at home. Right. Right, you know, right. It, you know what context we use that in, but sure. same could be applied here. Given this, well, you're a product of your is, environment, right. so it, it shapes well, how you think and well, see the world. Well, my my home and that and that example would have been <laughs> the precinct or whatever this this sure. event took place. Right. You know, like actions like that need to be corrected there. Right. But of course, we see what happens when they're not. They they're essentially promoted outside of those walls, if you will, but. So I do have a follow-up question because, again, for me, seeing the video, it gave me context into the situation. And I applaud you for watching the video. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I, I just need I needed the context. Okay. I needed to okay. seek. So, so here's what I got from it, right, is I saw – because oftentimes we look at a video and we we already know how the story ends, yeah, right? right? We already know the police are there. <laughs> Why is this guy running with a gun in his hand? Right. Right? It, I was thinking about this last week. When I'm driving, and let's say I'm not even texting, but let's just say I just have my phone in my hand. Let's just say I'm going, you know, I'm driving, and I'm in a 55-mile-an-hour speed zone. All of a sudden, I see an officer. He doesn't see me, but I see him. The first thing that I do is I hit the brake. Mm-hmm. Throw my phone out of my hand, right? Yeah, right? Right? Because in my own world, I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. Mm. Then I look down at my speed, and I do this all the time. I look down at how fast I'm going. Yeah. I'm in a 55 mile an hour zone. I'm at 50. No, right. you're, not but being, you're not being naturally, factual. But no, naturally... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> naturally... <laughs> I'm thinking, well, the cops are here. Let me make sure I'm I'm doing what I need to do. But I was already doing what I was needed to do. Uh-huh. It's just that I was in my own world, and the cops snapped me. It made me focus and think about what I was doing. Right. If I'm EJ, I have no idea the cops are there. Mm-hmm. All I see, you and me, Gat, are in the mall. Mm-hmm. I have a gun on me. Something goes down. Shots ring off. I run. I look up. You're no longer by my side. I see you on the ground. I have a gun on me. I'm running back to check on you, but I'm also running back into danger. Yeah. So I need to be prepared if someone starts shooting at me. Sure. Right? Right. When I put that in context, I'm like, that makes sense why he ran back with a gun. Mm -hmm. Right. 
he doesn't know the police. He ran back into their line of sight and that they're right there. Right. Right. He didn't see them. All he saw was the door heading out of the mall. He looks back and see his boy on the ground. So as he's running back with this gun, the, uh, the authorities see his, him as a threat. My question to you, Isaiah, is when you identify a threat, oftentimes people say, well, shoot at their legs or shoot. If you have to take them down, shoot at something that's not going to take their life. Right. Right. He was shot three times upper body. Right. Is that is a rational statement to say to a cop? In that moment, because people are run. I mean, it's again, it's a high stress situation. He's run. It's not like he's a he's a still object, right? Mm-hmm. He's running. Is that a fair statement to say, or is that actually practical? I, I think you just use the term high stress. Uh, once once you're in a high stress situation, um, things will you know you you don't see things clearly, man. It's right. Is it is it a practical statement? Yes. Okay. Is it is it rational? Yes. Um, but like I say, the the way people act are is it, the the safety is sub- subjective. There are people that will be like, oh, okay, I've I've been waiting for this my whole life. You know mm. what I'm saying? I get this adrenaline pumping. Oh, this is my moment. This is my moment. Pow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Is is here? Here's my thinking, right? I've I've been in training, and uh, the active shooter training that I, I you mm-hmm. know brought up uh, earlier, uh, they put us in some very high stress situations. Like I said, I've been, I've been in the military for quite some time, um, and I try to use my military instinct as much as possible because that's some of the best training that I've had. Right. Period. Point mm-hmm. blank. Period. Mm-hmm. Um. But some of those situations had me questioning myself and, and what I would do in the shots that I did take. Wow. Right. You know, I, I, I'm i not going to lie and say that I've, I've taken some of those same shots because once they're embedded, this is an active shooter. He needs to be taken down. You have kids in the building. You have, you mm-hmm. know, whatever type of public. You have the public, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, in the building. Um it's pandemonium. You have people running one way and you have somebody else coming at you another way. Mm-hmm. Automatically, that's that's off. Right. Should I, should I say? I right. mean, if, if you have 45 people walking one way, running one way, and then you have some one person walking the other way, that's that's off. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That is completely off. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's tricky. Well, can, can I can I jump in? No, <laughs> I'm about to attack you here. Me? Because, yes, because this this is something we got an intense debate about dealing with the McDonald's situation in Florida. You you seem to to throw out the human element in situations. Now, all of us at this table now, we're at the benefit of playing what I like to call Monday morning quarterback, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh man, he should hit this receiver in stride here, right? But we're not under the helmet on Sunday. Now, 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 because I know you and I have gotten into this. I'm not defending the actions of that officer, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what Isaiah is bringing to the table is very beneficial because you can train for something. But then when it happens, that human element is going to take over just about every time. I, okay. Am I fair? Yes, but yeah, the point of the training, fair. though, is to, 
at least from my perspective, the point of the training is to say, all right, here's what the human element is going to do, right? When the, when you're in this situation, the body naturally wants to do that. So we're going to do what? Train that out of you. It's just like with dogs. The natural tendency to go over here and pee on something. So what you do, you train them not to do that. So when they get in situations, it's not the instinct that takes over. It's the training. That's the whole point of the training. But I would like to interject how much of that training are you getting? Right. Now that's that's well, a, that, yeah. that's the million dollar that, question. Yeah, that's that's the spirit yeah. of what you're yeah. supposed to do. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another that's another component. Yeah. Something that. like right. that. If you do it one time, just because of the heightened, you know, the the the, the mm-hmm. gravity of the situation, you, you didn't, didn't get it. Get it. You didn't There's get no it. way you're going to get it you if you just it. do it once a year. That's something you need to do consistently. And one of the things, if I could, if I could jump in, one of the things Come that on, I thought that I was thinking about as I from the legal aspect, as I was reading the. AG's opinion uh, or decision on this case, and they're talking about reasonableness, and you think about the officer's recanting of the situation, just number one, right? Mm-hmm. So here's a person who you've you've had firearms training day one, right? Right. He says, he sees this gentleman draw his firearm and chamber around. Now, that's key for two reasons. Why? There's only two times you chamber, you go chamber around. One, you hadn't fired one. It's all your bullets are in your magazine. You want to get one in the chamber. That's number one. Mm. Or two, you fired your gun. You got a jam. So you got to clear it. That's the only two times you're going to rack. So when I see this and I see a man on the ground and I see this guy pull his gun, as he said, and load one in the chamber, automatically mm. he did not shoot this guy. Mm. It's impossible. He did not have a round in the chamber. Mm. Right? Right. So why is it that this trained officer could not say from that point, this isn't the guy who did the shooting. Because how can I shoot you if I don't have a bullet in the chamber? True. That's a really good point. And he recounts this. It's not an eyewitness say, I saw the guy pull the gun and rack it. Officer one says, I saw him draw his gun, you know, rack it, you know, put one into the chamber, and then head in a certain direction. Then he wasn't a shooter. So why is he dead? Um, I had a point to make, but I, there's no there's no reason of me L- even listen to, listen to me. I'm going to set two things because you're sitting over there with him. Doesn't mean you have to agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> no. Number two, I've been trying to go at this man, and you impeded that. Oh my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, but I don't need him to do that. I don't need him to me. <laughs> you got it twisted. So <laughs> so Gatry's talking about the whole McDonald's situation. Mm-hmm. Me and me and Gatry had a conversation offline afterwards because really in that conversation you cut me off. Keep that in mind. I'd never do that. Exactly. What'd you just do now? <laughs> so, what happened was that the girl claimed in the McDonald's... Y'all familiar with the McDonald's situation, yes. right? Yeah. She claimed that she ended up calling the authorities herself. The manager never called the authorities. I don't care what you've been trained to do or if you haven't been trained at all. If your employee has been assaulted by a patron... And you go back and look at the. Whenever you choose to look at the video, you see that. What should you do? My human element, man. Um, like I think way different. My the mm. human element is why all those employees around her went on that dude head. Honestly, you didn't um, say that. Shut up. Honestly, <laughs> you didn't say that. Fall back. I, I no. haven't said anything. No, you um, you said it all with your facial expressions, <laughs> listeners. Um. <laughs> But I mean, that's, I heard, I yeah, have heard that. Yeah, that's. And you, you looking at a, a female? You have a, a a male oversized, and I'm not, I'm not even putting race into play. 
I'm, I'm just speaking. Just of, generally yeah, speaking. Just generally speaking, you have a male, and you see him physically reach over the counter, mm. grab her with, uh, I want to say both two hands, and he, like, yanks her, forcefully forceful. yanks her, like he was going to pull her over, over the, the counter. Yeah. yeah. Um, she says she had boxing training. Uh Whatever, Clearly. whatever, whatever. Clearly. But at the at the end of the day, once he makes that 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 motion, mm-hmm. um, we look at that as an act of aggression. Um, so at at that particular moment in time, like I, I'm my my thing my thinking was why didn't her coworker subdue him? Mm-hmm. Why did she have to call nine one one herself? Right. Um, that's that's that's. That's just my 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 two cents, man. I, I think that the whole situation was was very messed the, up. The, the semantics of that, we can continue to agree or disagree. Let, let's let's bring this back into context. I we, just please I, do, but I just don't, I just don't want you to discredit the human element. I feel like you do that so often. Okay, but anyway, let's let's get back into it. <sighs> we have guests here on the show, guys. Uh, David and Isaiah Solomon of the Solomon Brand, um, who are also uh, who are also an attorney and an officer in uh, person in law enforcement. So, I'm pretty sure I don't know. How, I don't know what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm asking questions to kind of protect y'all in a way because I don't I don't want y'all to I don't want to put y'all in a position to where y'all can make things tough for you, but. Just what was kind of the major takeaway you guys took from this situation with EJ's family? Um, just, you can be vague, you can just be, just kind of what, when you first heard the ruling, just what was, what it, did you? It, it, if, if I could, are you asking professionally or just first emotion? Okay, okay, that's fair. I'm not surprised. First emotion. That's most people's feelings. Yeah, I mean he they, he's speaking that's, for that's most speaking that's, for so many. Most people saw it. Yeah. 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 I think that that was the and it's it's kind of like I knew what the, the outcome was gonna be before they released it. And then when I read it it was like, yeah, that's they they contorted facts to fit what they wanted the outcome to be. And I use the word contorted loosely, not not, you know, trying to imply any any um misdeeds on, on behalf of the uh, state attorney general but what I what I am saying is that there's there's a particular section in this report um, where he recounts the testimony of the two eyewitnesses who indicate that um, the officer asked EJ to you know lower your weapon or something that something they asked him three times two separate witnesses from two different vantage points. And the AG says there's no reason to doubt their credibility considering the specificity with which they both testified to the three times that the officer asked him to drop the weapon. Now, Officer One in his report says it happened so fast he didn't ask him to drop. He didn't have time to tell him, you know, lawyer, weapon, freeze, police, whatever. He shot. Now, considering that evidence on its face, if you have two separate witnesses who have no personal investment or interest in the outcome of this, who are saying, this guy asked him three times to drop his weapon, the officer saying, I didn't have enough time, then to me, I don't think the officer, or at least there's enough evidence to say that the officer did not act reasonably under the circumstances because the witnesses say that this guy, even though he didn't drop his weapon, he wasn't moving. So if he's not moving, who is he a threat to? Yes, he has a gun in his arm, in his hand, a gun in of itself, 
is threatening, but what 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 else is there? If he's not moving, right? He's not waving it at anybody. Right. He's not yelling, I'm, if you don't back up, I'm going to shoot you. The witnesses, you know, it was leading testimony. They, they say, yeah, I felt like I was in danger, but let's, let's, once again, let's look at the circumstances. The people who felt like they were in danger, you can see they were dug down and they were heading for cover. If you're in a position where you can recount everything that happened from when the officer appeared to when he got shot, that means you are either A, not concerned about your safety, or you've placed yourself behind cover. You're in a position where you don't think you can be detected, right. and you're looking, right? If somebody starts shooting here right now, our first instinct is we're going to look, see yeah. where it's coming from, mm -hmm. then we're going to go in the opposite direction. You're right. right. I'm not going to be able to tell you what's happening because my back is to it. Now, the only time I'm going to be able to tell you what's happening is when I stop and I think I'm at a safe distance and I look to figure out what the heck just went on. Right. So if these two witnesses are in a position to give this full detail mm. account of the story, that lets me know that they did not feel that their lives were personally threatened by the man who held the gun. So, again, like Isaiah said, safety. That's a loose definition. Who was threatened? Right. Officers weren't because they were behind him. Now, if, they, if he had you know, made a sudden 360, boom, light him up because you don't know what's about to happen. I can get that split second decision. A man with a gun turns on me. My assumption that is, changes everything. Right. That my changes assumption everything. he ain't trying yeah. to say, "Hey, how you doing?" So right. I'm going to light you up. Right. But if your back is to me, and you're not brandishing this arm and a firearm toward anybody, you know, you're not letting off shots in the air. You just got it in your hand. Then that means there's a chance I can keep talking to you because you he hears it. Mm. He just doesn't respond the way the guy wants him. And so, as we have seen many times in our nation's past. Black boy, you're going to do what I say. Mm. Or you're going to pay the consequences. Mm. That's my honest opinion of what happened. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, can, can I put something else on the table? Um, sure. <laughs> I really don't like you as a human. <laughs> as a human? As a human. I just, I, he's despicable. I love you too, bro. <laughs> that, that's translation. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, what he really yeah, means. Yeah. I, I, was, I was privileged... See what I did there? Mm -hmm. uh, to, ha to have a conversation with a law enforcement official over a meal, right? So shortly after this incident took place. And one thing that stood out to me that this gentleman explained to me was, if, if you are registered to carry a handgun, mm -hmm. there is a protocol of which you agree to conduct yourself when you have that, that handgun. Everybody with me right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. One of, the, one of the things he noted was when you're in a situation such as like that, an active shooter as we call it, um, as a registered, as a person registered to hold, brandish, not brandish, but, you know, carry a handgun, the first action you're supposed to commit is to get down on the ground. The second and most com uh, important action is you're supposed to dis disarm yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is true. I, I do not carry, but... The, it, it, it puzzled me that this would be the first statement <laughs> out of this man's mouth as I'm asking, you know, okay, what, what's up with all this? You know, I wasn't, I wasn't directing anything. It was just like, hey, man, this is a crazy situation. I mean, I can't, I can't believe this happened. And then it just immediately goes to that. Can anybody here speak to that? So let's go into another scenario, right? I'm in the mall. I... I'm a law enforcement official. I'm supposed to have my gun on me at all times. Mm, here we go. So if 
it's an active shooter, regardless of what I'm in, uniform or not, I'm supposed to go and make sure that that active shooter is is taken out for the safety of the public. Right. Because that is the sworn oath that I've I've declared to to protect the public. Right? So put me in that situation. I I have I have a badge and I have a gun and I'm going towards what I think is the active shooter. And they take me out. Mm. Let's 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 put that on the table. That's what happened to Jamil Robertson in Chicago. Black guy, security guard. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happened to him. He actually had the guy down. Cops showed up, identified a threat, and took action. That's exactly was Jamel Robertson's story. Do, do we do we know the outcome of that? I think we're still waiting. That's a, it's a couple of cases. Great matter or two terms that come to mind uh, right. as we as we revisit this. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that this is the here's the thing that makes that would make. Um, EJ's death not be in vain. So we've identified a scenario where you can misapprehend the situation. Actually, two scenarios. The mm-hmm. current one and the one that um, you all just mentioned, which I wasn't aware of until just now. But So here's where we say, all right, this happened. We don't want it to happen again. The training, which I, they go into in the agent's opinion about since Columbine, you know, it was clear the area, then we switched it to, you know, identify the shooter and take them out. I think there's a there's a area, like you said, there's a gray area in there that we need to hammer down on in our training. We realized that the pre-Columbine um, conditions weren't satisfactory because it resulted in a larger loss of life. Mm-hmm. So we go into the the other extreme, and now it's like find somebody with a gun and kill them, right? <laughs> right. Well, now we see that. Move us back yeah. into. Let's the move toward the middle. Right. Yeah. Where well, do we? Where? How do we identify? You know, what I mean, how do we hammer down on what is active shooter? Because active shooter to me, versus a person with a gun, are two different things. Oh well, yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But I'm just saying, like, it sounds simple, but in reality, active shooter and person with a gun are synonymous. Right. Right. There's no evidence that EJ ever fired a shot. Actually, the evidence that we have is to the contrary, that he didn't have an opportunity to fire a shot. But yet he's dead. He was identified as the active shooter. So how do we hammer down on this and say, look, you know, public safety is a concern. You're making these snap decisions. Identify what, where is the gun? You know, if I have a gun and it's pointing toward the ground, is, that, is anybody really, really in danger? Maybe I can let one off and it ricochet and hurt you, but the probability of that may be lower. If I've got it waving, pointing at somebody, all right, now we've heightened it. There you go. There's a possibility that you might shoot somebody if you're aiming it and, you know, pointing. So I think we, 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 so that his life and death won't just be wasted. Let's say, look, Alabama, we're going to set the, the, the precedent, right? We're going to look at this and say, we know that these things happen. We're going to give the officer the benefit of the doubt, which I believe that there, there, there is some of that because of his, like I said earlier, his involvement in some pending cases. And it's like if you take him out, then not only do you lose him, then, you know, likelihood is you could lose these other 20 you know, cases. And as a prosecutor, that's your whole job. You're keeping the public safe. You want to have a conviction rate. That's important, right? That's just kind of a broad scope, broad strokes of it. But hammer down and say, this is what we learned from this, right? We can't bring EJ back. But you know what? We can make sure Ronnie, Caesar, Isaiah, David don't become the next EJ. 
Right. And forgive my pessimism here, but if if internally, you know, law enforcement officials are dealing with telling others to go fetch, I believe that before we can even get there, we've got some more remedial steps that need to be taken. Am, am, am I correct here? Or is my mic the only one on? No, like I say, man, you have to change the culture. You have to change the environment of, you know, said department. Uh, it's, it starts with the department. And then, you know what I'm saying, it can spread. You, you change the, the mindset of everyone in your department, and it'll be infectious, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I do say hopefully, you know. Um, but if, if you change the mindset, uh, we always say hearts and minds, hearts and minds in, in, in the military, you know, mm-hmm. hearts and minds. Um, so if you, if you get... You, you see these situations happening happening all over across across the country um at at some point someone has to stand up whether it be the lowest uh rookie officer or to the highest uh lieutenant captain or whoever's in charge and be like hey can we can we get some more training to make sure this doesn't happen mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying again refresh my memory mm-hmm. um let's you know, put me in other stress, high stress situations, so you know I would at least have somewhat of a muscle muscle memory, mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. to make sure that you know if this situation arises, I'll, I'll be able to think at least twice, three times, right. instead mm-hmm. of just going off of uh, a, a hip pocket just pow. You know, um, it, it it starts at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Law enforcement, <laughs> it, it it starts at home. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Like there, there's, and you have, you have teams. For instance, uh, you have your SWAT team, or you know whatever, a quick reaction team, or whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you're not on that certain team, you're not getting that training that they're getting, and that's only a handful of people. Like, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you can't call. This is a big county. You can't call a handful of people right. to mm-hmm. handle. Uh, uh, a situation maybe like at the gallery, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Or what? What if the scale is bigger than that? What, what if we had the Hoover Met? What mm. if we had Legion Field? Right, right, right. And, you're, and you're only calling on a handful of people, right? You know what I'm saying? Like at some point, at some point in time, it has to start at home. At some point in time, someone's gonna be like, "Hey, let's get these these guys, these women, more training, so they can think the the second time or the third time to make sure that first time, uh, it's the right decision to make." Right. But not necessarily acting on it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's 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 my take. And, and and Walker, I I went at you earlier. That's my natural. That's my natural. <laughs> just what I do. But I'm I'm going to endorse you here on a topic that you and I have agreed to disagree on, which is you know what to do with your vote. Listeners, you you've heard it here. Um, it, it 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 seems like training is the it's the sweet spot here. Mm-hmm. Poll your your local politicians. Who's 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 talking? Who's using their platform to talk about the training? It's a need. Mm-hmm. Think about think about what happens if we get somebody taking the appropriate action to ensure that this training occurs. Think about think about as David said earlier. Think about what that does to everyone else. Right. 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 So you you know again, you question the importance of voting, and I, I say that loosely, but here's a tangible example 
of how you can shape your voting power to make a really, really sound impact on our environment socially. Sure. Sure. You're welcome. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't feel good when I agree with you. What do you mean it doesn't? I feel like Phil, I need to go take a shower. He's oh, wow. still going. You're right. You're right. Still he just going won't let it, He just will not let, let it go. go. He will. Like, well, we got witnesses. Now yeah. I got witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, I appreciate y'all taking time to come out and discuss this. Uh, you know, it, it, it's touchy. Yeah. And, yeah. and it pulls on heartstrings of people who have made a decision in a certain way about this. Right. Uh, even those who may agree with or disagree with the ruling, it still tugs at your heartstrings. So, guys, I just thank you for for giving context, giving a professional opinion. We definitely would. Because we can spew for yeah. minutes on minutes about how we feel about it. Right. But we needed guys who can actually bring clarity to the situation. And, so, And before we close, we... we <laughs> Just in, in pure tipping point fashion, mm-hmm. we focused on EJ a lot, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact of the, the young girl that was injured in this whole situation. I personally haven't heard any updates on her condition. Uh, I, the, the last I heard, I know it wasn't good, but she she's involved in this situation. And Do we know who we, shot her? I don't think so. I think they determined that it wasn't the officer, but we don't know. Because they didn't put it on the guy. Right. You so mean the, like, guy they, the guy they fetched from Georgia? Yes, I'm using fetch again. Is any does anybody see what I'm doing here? We, we're with you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're with yeah. you. Good job. We're Good with job. you. Thank you. Yeah, you want to yeah. patch on your back now or right. after? You wait till after. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that now that was that was wild to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, you could easily put it on the guy you you apprehended in Georgia, right? right? And just call it open and shut case. Right. Just done with it. But you didn't. Right. Who shot her? Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, we don't know because there were there were officers shot four times. Three were in EJ and one went into a column. So uh, on the contrary, David, what? there's somebody in Montgomery that knows. There's somebody in Hoover that knows. Yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, you're saying we as in the four gentlemen sitting at this table. What do you mean? We don't. When you say we don't know, you're speaking as us and the the general public. Oh right, okay. right, right, right. Gotcha. All we know of the truth I'm, I'm is lies that they tell us. Microscopic you know I mean? there. Please forgive yeah, me. That's okay. All we know of the <laughs> truth is, is what they allow us to know. You know? Yeah, right. Because we right. weren't there. We don't have access to the full, you know, file. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, that. Yeah, I, and our thoughts and prayers. To your point, our thoughts and prayers are with her. I didn't want us to close without. Yeah, you know, fair, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Um, and and our condolences to the Bradford family. Definitely. I, yeah, yeah. I, as as and and I say it can speak to this, but as a father of sons or a son, it's so it's so it's so natural to put yourself or attempt to put yourself in the position of those parents. I can't even begin to describe what they're going through, but the thought of it happening under our roof is just, it's so haunting to me. So to to your point, prayers are definitely consistently with this family. Indeed. Definitely. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you gentlemen uh, for coming. And uh, y'all want to, y'all good? Y'all just want to hang around or what? Totally up to y'all if y'all, Want to get out of the hot seat? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna basically, basically, you off the hot seat at okay, this point. Right, 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 <laughs> I ain't no right. going to hang around anymore or what. You're, but we you're, you're more than welcome to stay, or you can you can retreat. 
You can go fetch. Yeah, I'm gonna go fetch me something to eat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That just, just, that, that just rubbed you the wrong right. way. Obviously, right. really. Well, uh, we'll we'll be right back. Uh, we'll be right back with our lightning round and player of the week and shoutouts. Mm-hmm. 